All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE. I really do believe that that humanity flourishes when family flourishes. Come back to the drawing board of like, why did you fall in love with this person in the first place? Ask each other that question. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Um, We have a special guest. Yeah, that's right. We You'll got probably a little, hear him, actually. A little six-week-old jet here with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Um, if you hear any weird noises, that is him. Anyways, today we have a treat for you. We have Rebecca and Gabe Lyons. That's right. Uh, again... A couple from Nashville. So we did this episode in person, and it was an absolute pleasure. We have a ton of mutual friends with the Lions. So to sit down with them for an hour, hour and a half, and have this conversation was a real treat. So to tell you a little about the Lions, they're both serial authors. And we had the pleasure to sit down with Rebecca as she just launched a new book called Rhythms of Renewal. Both Gabe and Rebecca have a passion to see young people thrive uh, through life. And so this new book, Rhythms of Renewal, is all about how you can defeat worry, stress, and anxiety in your everyday life. So we really look up to uh, both Gabe and Rebecca. Gabe actually uh, himself is an author. He served as a vice president in John Maxwell's organization and also founded uh, an organization himself called Q Ideas, which is kind of like a Christian version of TED Talks, I think might be a fair way to describe it. Anyway, we'll link information on both of them down below if you want to find out more information on them. Uh, but Gabe, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time. And before we start, please, if you haven't yet, give the show a rating, subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening on. Now it's time for the comment of the week. Yes. You ready Special for this? one? Yes. Actually, uh, from one of our previous guests, this was from the Miller fam. 
which that episode was a hit. So you can go back and check that out. But the Miller fam said, so loved being a part of this with you guys. You're the best, which is great. I'll give another one from Kelly DePlanche, who says the fact that the Millers do not show their kids struggling or when they're upset is one of the main reasons I subscribe to their channel. I love the respect they have for their kids. And it's exactly why their kids are respectful, confident, compassionate, and loving people. Steve and Amanda live those qualities. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's ironic as, he as is this little guy going speaks. After <laughs> uh, He's getting hungry. It is an interesting world that we uh, influencers or creators live in. And I do think that we have a lot to learn from Steven and Amanda. So anyway, that's all we have. We're honored to bring you Gabe and Rebecca Lyons. Excited to hear your thoughts. Without further ado. Gabe, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. It's good to finally meet in person. <laughs> I yes. know. I we have a lot of mutual friends: Josh and Chelsea Axe, Ben Crane and his family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ben was actually telling me before the interview. He said that you recently hit your own house with a golf ball. Gabe. <laughs> That's I wanna, true. I want to hear this story. Well, Ben and I were practicing as he does because you know as a PGA guy. <laughs> yes. I'm always trying to get a tip out of him. <laughs> so he was over, and we were on our front porch. You know. Hitting balls down down like 100 yards. And so he's like, I want you to try this new swing path. Oh, geez. I'm down near the driveway, and I'm basically hitting up towards him. And as I do, I hit it off the roof of the house. I have not heard this story. There were kids around, but we try not to alarm anybody. That's (laughs) probably why I haven't heard about it. Everybody was fine. I hope I didn't just get you in trouble (laughs) with that situation. That's awesome. Um, You guys have such an awesome story, and um, I'm really just honored that you guys took the time to sit down with us. No, we're happy. We love to hear... Starting off, the story of how you two first met. Mm. First met, this not romantically, but I want to yeah. hear. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm a graduate out of high school. Get invited with some friends to go to Florida for a wedding of a friend of mine. And sure, that sounded like a good week. I'm 18 years old. Let's go yeah. to Florida with some buds and mm-hmm. go to this wedding of this person I barely knew. So I was <laughs> literally just along for the ride. And Rebecca happened to be at that wedding as well. I wow. know, because I was friends with a bride and I was a camp counselor because I lived in Florida. And that summer I was a camp counselor nearby. And I think it was like in Sarasota or Bradenton where the wedding yeah. was, the reception was. And someone introduced us. So it was quick. It was kind of like, he's cute. And then I went back to college for my sophomore year the next, that fall, like a month later. And he was starting his freshman year. And we wound up at the same party. I was like, didn't I just meet you like a month ago in Florida? It was kind of weird. Like I was trying to disorienting, like, how did I meet you? And then we wound up at that party talking so long that do you remember, Gabe? Yeah, we ended up on a couch together. All okay. night. Now you might be you might be imagining where the story's about to go, but it's it's going somewhere different. Yeah. Um, so all our friends are out. sleeping. School hadn't started yet, so people were just staying late, talking, talking, talking. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I looked at my watch. It's like three in the morning, and we are laughing hysterically. Like we're trying to not like. So we're on a couch, just laughing at each other and talking all night. Everybody yeah. else is asleep. Yes. No physical contact. No, this no. is just like, fun. no making like out. Friends, it's literally, less like getting to know laughing, each other, laughing, having a so great hard. time. Delirious. Yeah. That was that the point. beginning of that was the beginning of our friendship. And yeah. so in college, we never you know, dated after that. We both dated different people for the next couple of years. Yeah. We were kind of in like a mutual friend group that we'd see each other, but it was kind of this like weird. Like, I feel like I really know you really well, but like at that point it wasn't attraction. It was more just like, he's super fun and we connected really easily. And then it it wasn't until about three years later that we started dating. Things took a turn. Wow. (laughs) 
I'm curious which hairstyle was Gabe rocking at this point because I've I've gone through the archives have you? and oh, it, and he it has is a story. It's really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> he even had a Twitter feed at one point. Gabe Lyons hair. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, Somebody my hair started tweets for sometimes. him, <laughs> and every once in a while, because we lead these like uh, events nationally, and every April it would like the the Twitter feed would get revived, and his hair would be talking on behalf <laughs> oh, of, my of him wow. in the event. But yeah, I remember you just had like a, a lot the of. Swoop when you wore yeah. all the Obey t-shirts in the twenty when you were in your twenties. Wow, uh, what's yeah. an Obey t-shirt? It's, it's a, a brand. It's like a surfer brand. Oh, yeah. Obey, Obey. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was but like he, a fabric. But no, it was like they always said Obey, and then he, he had different versions of it, and then he always had his hair like way down wow. below. Yeah, swoop. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so Good going luck. down the dating story. Oh, yeah. When did you decide to date, and then how long did you date before you got engaged? So I had a serious relationship coming out of high school with the girl that I'd grown up with, mm-hmm. and we were in love and headed towards marriage. And mm-hmm. it was it was close to that moment where I was going to need to make that decision. It, are we going to get married? Am I going to do this? You know, it's mm-hmm. my junior year of college. And Rebecca, catch up on your story at this point. Yeah, so after that, you know, started my sophomore year, I met a guy probably a month after I had like Gabe and I had that night (laughs) and we started dating for the next two years. And the thing with you and your girlfriend, I think you were on and off for about seven years. So it was very serious. And this guy and I got engaged, but there was this sense of, I think I was about to be a senior and we'd been dating for so long and we went forward with the engagement, but I kept pushing the date off. Like I felt, Mm -hmm. you know, I finished a little early. I was finishing my senior year early And I then knew all my friends were going back for their final year. And I was kind of like, maybe I'll get a double minor. I'm going to go back in business and psychology. Like, Mm -hmm. I could just tell that I was kind of running from something without really acknowledging the fact that, like, I think you might be hedging because you're not positive that this one is the one. But we'd been dating for so long, and it felt like the natural progression. And I loved his family. And so I went back that fall. We were still engaged. I just made sure he was cool with me doing that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I guess, you know. And um, I went back and I kept stalling on buying my wedding dress. I kept stalling, stalling, stalling. Well, back at college with all my bridesmaids, we finally went to Greensboro. I had a big day, a big weekend. I bought my wedding dress and was like, we're doing this. Like I've just like almost mm-hmm. like needed that like umph of solidarity and that night, I remember just being again at another party. <laughs> <laughs> we meet up at another party. Partiers. Partiers. And um, that's real, party number this three. This is the best foundation for a solid marriage, guys. <laughs> yes. So everyone knows. Keep showing up at the same parties. And, and then Gabe walks up. I'll never forget. And he goes, how do you know that you know that you know that you know that you are getting married to the one? And I was like... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with a therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. How in the world would he know that I had ever had any doubts Whoa. for five months? Because we hadn't 
we didn't talk like we weren't like yeah. close friends at all and I was like why are you asking I felt like he was like yeah. searching through my soul and it really wasn't he wasn't even asking me for me he was asking me for his own kind of doubts or questioning right so I, I'm I'm deciding am I gonna get engaged in the coming months and you were looking for a reinforcement and I wanted to know like how did you know because I had these little doubts like I was 95% there but there was a part of me that just didn't feel like it was all there and so I she'd been a friend of mine for years so she just bought her wedding dress I'm like did you ever have doubts like how did you know and wow. you know she kind of played it off that night I'm like, and you she's just like oh know. you just know and I'm like well I don't know so it was three weeks later her and her fiance. He had come up to visit. Come come to college. We 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 see each other not at a party, actually at school. <laughs> Between classes. And and I tell her that I'd broken up with my girlfriend. That I made the decision to well, break up. He asked. He's like, "How is so and so?" And you said, "Oh, we actually just broke up." And I was thinking he actually had the courage to do something that I think I'd been wavering in for about six months. Ah. And so in some ways, it was a conviction for me. Like, am I just making this decision out of fear of? Mm -hmm being alone because honestly I really do think sometimes we can pressure ourselves into a scenario that's not ideal because we don't you know we, we're about to graduate mm -hmm. and college seemed to be the best time to m meet the person and walking away from that experience you know back then in 92 I'm telling how old I am or 96 I guess was when I was graduating uh, it was still very much like you meet your person in college. There was a yeah. pressure there on yeah. some level. And I just, I saw him w being willing to do that. And it forced me to go, am I really being honest with my heart? Am I, am I being true to kind of the angst that I've been carrying? So you were a challenge, just an antagonist in my life, just by following what you felt. Yeah. So she, she goes back basically over the next <clears throat> couple of weeks and decides to break off her engagement. Oh Man. And her and I aren't even really talking much through that time. It just, all this was just happening. It was like our stories individually were kind of going down this path where we were both almost yeah. on mm -hmm. the same path, not, yeah, not pursuing a relationship, but just being friends, wanting to make sure we were making the right decision. And so it was over the next months after she had resolved her relationship, I'd yeah. resolved mine that we then as friends About just started to even take mm -hmm. a look at, wait, is this possible that you and yeah. I should think about dating? And we both liked each other a lot as friends and did not want to be each other's rebound. Because, you know, yeah. like if you're the person that dates the person after a very serious <laughs> relationship, it's never going to work. Yeah. And yeah. so I think we were both like, yeah, no, I, we don't we don't want to jump into anything like that. But within about six to eight months, I think yeah, it started to become a little more obvious. So, yeah. So we got married like a year and a half after that. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this wasn't a situation. Quick story. My dad... And my mom oh my dated, gosh. they were high school sweethearts, dated for like 10 years. And she kept thinking that he was going to propose. He didn't after a long enough time. So they ended up breaking up because she was frustrated. She goes on another date with another guy. And he, my dad shows up at that date and proposes to my mom. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying when, awesome. when you had this conversation, when Rebecca came up, it wasn't like a, hey, I just broke up with my girlfriend. So yeah. are we? Maybe yeah. you and me. Okay. <laughs> Not no. like No. Okay. No. Yeah. But I think what we did know from that initial meeting each other four years prior is like we had a lot in common, 
with vision, personality. I mean, even the way we saw life and just optimistic kids. I remember like when we were dating finally or kind of dating, like we would go out for ice cream, like, you know, whatever you could afford in college. And we would like write dreams on napkins. Like Mm -hmm. we were kind of just futurists in the way we Mm -hmm. looked at the world. And, you know, when you're kind of ready to charge hell with a water pistol, you Mm -hmm. feel like all that energy and momentum in those college years. And we shared that, I think. Yeah. Like we both had mutual visions for what we wanted, you know, the next few decades to look like and what God might want to do in and through us or the people that, or the places that he put um, the people in our lives or whatever. So I think with that shared vision, I think we kept coming back to that. It's a lot of times hard to find a great alignment in that way of like, Mm -hmm. how do you see the world and what are your hopes and dreams for what to do with whatever days you have, that kind of idea. I don't know if it's too sensitive to talk about, but I do, I would be curious to hear how you summon the courage to have like the breakup conversation. Cause yeah. the critical conversations, I feel like some people are more prone to have them than others. But like me personally get a huge pit in my stomach, my yes. palms start sweating, even if it's like, you know. Well, and I feel like you, you hear that a lot of people getting engaged and then just going through with it because they're too afraid to right. call it off. Well, there's a lot of um, guilt that you'll carry of like hurting the other I I tried to have that conversation actually about Mm -hmm. three or four times over the course of six months and uh there was a lot of tears involved like I would be like I don't know what it is but I'm just I don't have like a like a piece like a perfect piece about this um this is a big decision Mm -hmm. you know even if like he said if it's if you're 97 percent there but there's something that's just in your in your gut that you just can't settle with I remember I would call my mom and I'm just crying and just trying to process it. And everyone loved him. Like it made no logical sense yeah. beyond the fact that I remember this thought. I was doing an internship at the time in like hospitality management. So we lived in Hilton Head. That's where his family was from. I'm like, I feel in like other words, I probably. How to host a party. Yeah, basically. Yes. Was, yeah. Yes. How to throw the party. Yeah. <laughs> so basically I was like um, interning and that was like my last few credits I needed. And I remember thinking one day, I was like, so this is my, the rest of my life, this picture of what today looked like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to work all day, work at whatever hotel we will we'll go unnamed. <laughs> and then, um, I'm going to come home and we're going to like fix dinner and then we're going to watch a movie and then we're going to go to bed. Like something about the future looking like my life was ending as far as like mm-hmm. adventure, the unknown uncharted. Ter- it's almost like I needed risk. Mm-hmm. And it was too buttoned up. Again, I was only 21. We got yeah. married. When That's I was still 20. true for you today, though. It's still the truth. I mean, it's, it's still true. true that you need the adventure. You, I need you the need unknown. To, I'm, yeah, I'm a, kind a of life an adrenaline of junkie. Mm-hmm. So I needed a partner that was also a little bit of a risk adrenaline junkie. And that was not the case in that scenario. So all that to say, I tried breaking up like on three yeah. different walks. And I would always be talked back into it, like, it's going to be okay. And then I, and so finally, when I, when I broke up, I was supposed to go fall break. We took another walk. I tried to break up and it was unsuccessful. (laughs) So then here's the actual story. I go back to college the next Monday and I'm working at Applebee's and I'm like, ding, 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 Applebee's. (laughs) Clubhouse Grill, oh, French yeah. fries. <laughs> All you can eat ribs on Tuesday nights. It's a college town. Like I would just work and wait tables and serve ribs. But all that to say, I was like rolling silver at the end of the shift. And I just could not stop crying. Like wow. so frustrated that I didn't actually have the courage to just say, I can't do this. Mm. And, and 
I just carried a lot of like guilt with it because I just didn't want to hurt the other person. And so that night, the end of rolling silverware, I went home. I'm like, I'm just going to call. I have to actually call on the phone Mm -hmm. and do this. Um, This person was very persuasive. And so when the other party is very, very persuasive and logical, you almost lose your voice a Mm -hmm. little bit. You're almost like, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's intentionally manipulating, but that's actually what it Mm -hmm. did. It manipulated me back into going, oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. Logic, Mm -hmm. logic, logic, logic. And so that night I remember being like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. It still took two hours on the phone to end the conversation to which he said, I'm going to come get the ring this weekend. Mm. Cause I knew that would be another attempt to, mm-hmm. and I was, I was like, okay. And then I left it at my apartment and left town Damn. because it was partly just cause I do think we will stay in some things out of guilt and especially sticking with it. Cause what, what'll happen is you'll end that relationship and then you're still lonely. And so mm-hmm. then you still feel tempted to go back. And that's true right there. Wow. Are you looking for a short, educational, and entertaining podcast your kids can listen to while you cook dinner, fold laundry, or just need a few minutes to yourself? Then check out Mysteries About True Histories by Starglow Media. It's so, so cute. I listened to a few episodes, and when it was over, I was like, dang, that was really fun. It's made by the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and the Netflix show Brainchild, so these people know what they're doing. As a little background info, every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning really cool. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. So it's perfect for kids ages six and up. There's a new episode every Thursday, each filled with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate you sharing that. I feel like that's like really important information, whether you're ending a relationship that's romantic or otherwise. Like just you gotta have the courage to do what you're called to do. I do I am curious if if you could talk about the vision that you guys have spoken about previously. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important in a relationship. I think in a lot of ways, Sean and I are fortunate mm-hmm. to work together, although there's pros and cons for sure. But being able to like dream together and, and ask each other frequently, like, are we doing what we're called to do? Is this what, like, is this where our, like, yeah. like what our talents are? I feel like though, you guys have this grand vision. It's somewhat easier to have like a, hey, our dream is to buy, you know, an acre in Nashville. And then couples end up, achieving that goal and it's like oh wait you know it took us 10 years to get here and it's not as exciting or fun or fulfilling as i thought it would be tell tell me about your vision that you guys have together and how you've been um intentional in building that yeah well i think you know it started for us not having clarity on where the vision would go it was more a sense of we feel like god's called both of us to serve him in some way over our lifetimes and we want to be surrendered abandoned and just available to do that and that can play itself out in the sense probably when I was 22 of, of, Hey, I want to own my own company one day. Or for her, you know, it was a bed and breakfast in new England. I yes, think at the time I it was I like, I just want to have a new England home <laughs> and a bed and breakfast. And like, that was, that was the dream. And, and I think wanted it, to be entrepreneurs from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't know that it was, it was about the specifics of the dream at that point, as much as it was about, we were partnered in such a way that like we would stir that in one another Mm -hmm. and we would push each other to dream big and to actually believe in faith. Like this could happen 
and this will happen and let's just walk into that life and let's be wise let's be good stewards of the season we're in let's not get ahead of ourselves but I think in our relationship that was huge And and I remembered I mean I think I had a college class on relationships one time where where they were talking about a lot of people get married at that I think at that time it was called like level two and I can't remember all the levels, but I just remember level two was romantic relationships. And it was the idea of romance where you meet maybe two people that live in different parts of the country or you just kind of see each other and you have fun together. It's a great experience, maybe travel together, Mm -hmm. but you're, you're not necessarily aligned on like this common vision for your Mm -hmm. life and what your values are and what's most important. And those marriages tended to end in divorce rather quickly, Mm -hmm. but like this level four, and again, I can't remember level three, but level four (laughs) was like the marriages where you've total alignment of your values as well as just vision for the future. Like we want to have a family. We're Christians. We want to, that's a big part of our lives. So we want to make sure our faith is core to how we're going to live our life, how we're going to make decisions, we don't want divorce to be an option in our conversation. So from the beginning, it was always this conversation of, of we're going to center ourselves around those values. And we know we'll go through some difficult times, but, but no matter what the dream is next year, we know that with that foundation, there's a strength to go after it. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've had to, the vision has shifted. I mean, every yeah. five years yeah. we're dreaming and when we're not dreaming, that's when we know we're in trouble. Yeah, so exactly. It's always, it's almost like one dream springboards onto another, onto another, onto another. So his first job was with John Maxwell. So he got like thrust in the leadership space, but the church space and every denomination space. And that was your only job for five years. He became VP. And then three years in, we had our first child and then six hours after he was born, the doctor said they saw um, signs of Down syndrome. So they confirmed that within a week mm-hmm. with geneticist testing and that trajectory at 26 to be entree to motherhood, you know, special needs son. Mm-hmm. I think just it's like when life kind of does that because um, we were already dreamers and doers and kind of going. It was almost like the things we valued kind of took back burner and the things we might have overlooked became front and center. So mm-hmm. in some ways, God, I believe, used Cade in our lives to go like, you can go really far if you want with like like grit and hard work and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. muscle. But do you want to surrender kind of all that energy almost in a way that that allows me to kind of like propel you? Yeah. And I think God used Cade's life to grow our faith that year in particular because he was failure to thrive. I mean, he was four and a half pounds full term. He was, I had no fluid the last trimester. I w- almost died on the table with two epidurals. It went a high block up into my brain. So I couldn't, I had to almost stop breathing. And so it was kind of like a very traumatic moment early in our 20s to go like, wow, we want to just be surrendered to whatever. There's, this, is, this is obviously something that you have allowed for reasons we have yet to really see, mm-hmm. but we know you're going to use it for good and you, you're going to grow us in it. And, and that's really became the birth of your, you know, your vocation and then slowly mine over, over the years. So. so this is something else I've been struggling with. We're, Sean and I are fortunate to, to be around a lot of ambitious, successful people building businesses, et cetera, like yourselves. What is the balance between having that ambition, that dream and that vision and being content? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. And it's yeah. so well, hard because sometimes you just want to be like, uh, maybe we should just. We have these conversations a lot about biblically even. Yeah. I feel like there's a debate there of contentment versus drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When are you greedy? 
when are you following God's call and when are you supposed to just be content with what you have? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you guys balance that between the two of you? Well, there's that passage that everyone quotes that, that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And everyone thinks that that's a verse about ability Mm -hmm. um, and achievement. But if you read the context of that passage, it comes right after the verse that says, I can be content with little and Mm -hmm. I can be content with much. Mm -hmm. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's really a verse about, it's a passage about contentment that I can, he he very just, yeah, I like Paul. He's so candid in the way he talks. And I feel like I resonate with that. He's just like, I can be happy with the people that you've given me, whether we live in a band down by the river or we're, mm-hmm. you know, in an RV traveling around the country, which a lot of people are doing I in 2020. That, by the way, we got to talk about that. <laughs> I've been trying to get him to do that. So maybe we, you guys should talk. Um, or, or if you bless us and you, and you have us in this particular spot for this season, we want to steward that well too, but we hold it so loosely because we know that it doesn't bring happiness. Like Mm -hmm. a wealth or achievement in the end does not bring the fulfillment that intimacy, closeness, surrender, sacrifice, obedience brings. We know that. And so sometimes we have to be reminded of that. And then we achieve and we succeed in certain things. And then we're like, oh, wait, that didn't actually fix Mm -hmm. the thing that I was hoping it would fix. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, you know, idols, Timothy Keller writes about this, but the idea that, you know, and I, I know I'm using some religious jargon here, so <laughs> this might not be familiar to everybody, but it's the idea of pursuing these things that can be ambitious, that are these goals. But when it becomes an idol, it's something you worship, mm-hmm. something you think is going to actually deliver to you more than it ever could. That's when it becomes a falsehood because idols can never deliver what they promise. Mm-hmm. So when something in the object of ambition becomes, it means so much to you, you'd be willing to sacrifice family. You'd be willing to, I mean, ultimately idols can cause you to sacrifice your children. If you really go back into these historic archetype stories, you don't want to pursue something to the degree that you're giving up. And we've all seen those stories mm-hmm. career-wise where people have achieved some goal, but mm-hmm. they lost a lot along the way. Yeah. And so for Rebecca and I, I mean, the, the conversations we are trying to always hold each other accountable to is ambition driven by what is God up to in the world? How can we be a part of it? How can he use the gifts he's given us and the, the resources he's given us to further what he's doing, not just for ourselves and to shut all the doors that could possibly lead us down some pathways that get us distracted from that. Mm-hmm. So even this week, we're praying about some future decisions and the prayer is consistently like, hey, we really want that, but will you please not let us have it if this mm-hmm. is in any way going to detract from what you really want to do with our lives or our family? Um, and that's a really safe place yeah. we have found <laughs> to live in our walk in faith mm-hmm. is just to trust him to help us in that. And it keeps us, I think, in the right posture of like a real open handedness to like just calling it out. We want that, but we know that could be ambition and not necessarily godly ambition. It could be very personally driven and we just want to keep those things in check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, there's a Quaker proverb that says when way closes that has the same guiding effect. This idea of like, we don't always know what doors to what path to choose and what to follow. And we think all the doors opening is the way to know and um, Parker Palmer wrote this book, Let Your Life Speak. It's all about listening to the voice of vocation, like how to know what the next right step mm-hmm. is. And basically this idea of when the door closes, like I look at 2020, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very much of like it has closed in a lot of different ways for different ways of doing industry or business or, and what that has done is it's allowed you to go, oh, okay, we, that's shut, that's done. That, that chapter's mm-hmm. done, that, that's the end of an era. It's like, 
you, you obviously are going to do something new here and I want to pay attention to that. So I like, I actually, as much as I don't love if I really wanted something for it to be like, we're done. I pay so much attention to that because I know it always precedes new life, new, new adventure, new journey. And sometimes it's hard to see the next thing if you can't release the old thing or some the of current that's, thing. Some of that for us is 20, we're coming up on 23 years of marriage. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not like we understood that early on, you know, mm-hmm. and I know you guys are earlier in your marriage and it's like, you'd learn these things through the process, through yeah. time, through the story. And you start mm-hmm. to look back and all of a sudden it's, you start to gain a confidence in trusting God in that and trusting each other and how he's Rebecca will very much be a person that can throw up the stop sign in anything I'm pursuing that she has a sense like, I don't think you should be doing this or I don't think we have time. Like our marriage counselors about capacity. have talked to us about capacities. Like you guys in all the things you're doing in your life, you've, you're like trying to eat in a, a, he's, a 10 pound cheeseburger. He says you've bitten off a 10 pound cheeseburger and you're trying not to choke on it. And it's just too much. Like no mm-hmm. human being can eat a 10 pound cheeseburger. So you need to, you need to actually Bet start. me, Gabe. <laughs> Game on. That's next. The, cha- the cheeseburger yeah, challenge. Just can't choke on it. Yeah. But I think that's been a conversation for us too, is, yeah. is there's real capacity in life. Mm-hmm. If you want to honor the people God's put in your life and your children mm-hmm. and family and friends and church and all your commitments, that ambition again can get you out, you know, kind of over your skis on that. And you want to be really careful not to let that happen. I like that word surrender. I, I've been listening and reading to a bunch of material. I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, The Ruthless Elimination of yeah. Hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The One Thing is another mm-hmm. one, uh, Essentialism. And then mm-hmm. I was listening to a speech by Josh Garrels, who's my all time oh. favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's talking about how his creative process, and he's so talented, but he got to a point where he hated creating music because it was just like this torturous process of he just didn't enjoy it. And he was like, mm-hmm. all right, this is the end of me. And if there's any more music that's going to come out of, me it's gonna be from god yeah and i i was just thinking about my football career and like me hanging on too tightly to what i thought that dream was gonna be like and where i thought i should be and when ultimately strangled like it Mm. i i literally prevented myself from achieving what was right in front of me because i was like trying to hold on too tightly Mm. whereas if you have this attitude of like all right let's just i don't want to say like hands off but you're just along for the ride, I guess. Yeah. Like Winnie the Pooh, you know, <laughs> I think has a really good approach to life where he's just like, all right, we're, let's just yeah. see how this kind of, yeah. you've given me certain talents and yeah. skills. Let's see how this pans but out. You still move forward. You just, you do pay attention more to the doors mm-hmm. that are closing yeah. and opening and you, you do it with a gratefulness because you know, he knows better yeah. what mm-hmm. this next season should look like than we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Today's, Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found Skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from Skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped, They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape 
after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop-down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. Kind of shifting topics a little bit, going into family. You started bringing it up earlier, but we've talked to a lot of couples who have talked through experience of how traumatic experiences have either hurt the relationship or brought them closer. Mm. The birth of your son. I, I didn't know the extent of that, you know, experience, but how did first having a kid change your relationship, which I feel like it changes everyone's relationship. For us having Drew, you said it perfectly of like, it made priority so easy for us. And there were so many things in our life that didn't matter instantly. I was like, I don't care anymore. I don't care about work. I don't care about anything. I care about our baby. So how did that affect you guys and having Cade and the trauma and the joy, just everything? Yeah. Goodness. It was honestly a year of grief because I think we were just so blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. And it, and we didn't really know anybody well with a Down syndrome uh, baby or like I I wound up being like the person in my county to call if you got you know I was like mm-hmm. oh we don't have anybody filling that role do you want to do that and I don't know I th- and it was before this he's almost 20 he'll be 20 in February mm-hmm. so this was before even um, the advocacy for Down mm-hmm. syndrome or was is near what it is today which I'm so thankful for so I felt very alone in it I would say we we grieve very differently and it's important to kind of know that in your spouse, because, you know, I could think like, are you going to cry? What right now or Mm -hmm. what, you know? Um, and I think it's really important to honor each other in that process of how, how we walk through painful things and to not take it out on each other. I would say because he was our first, we had a lot of energy for that challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a community was amazing. Uh, we were both still working full time and I had planned on staying in that role, but after about eight months, he was up to eight hours of therapy a week. Mm -hmm. And so I, all the people I was leading were, was telling me what was going on. And I was, I, I, it was very clear that I needed to probably just like for the season indefinitely step down and so it was for the next decade that I really supported you yeah. with some stuff and kind of was home. But I would say what that did created some stress for us. But I would say even now, 20 years in, 23 years in, so he's almost 20. And we now have a seven-year-old girl that we adopted mm-hmm. from China who also has a Down syndrome diagnosis. And she's been with us not quite two years. So there are bookends. And I would say that we are still in the thick the mm-hmm. thick of it, like mm-hmm. as of last night. <laughs> That's right. This is this is vulnerability. <laughs> vulnerability is sharing where you are. Yeah. Like as of last night on a road trip back home from Florida, he is leaning over the over the seat like mm-hmm. a thousand times, you know, wanting to know when he can have the phone before bed so he can play two songs because we are really trying to wean him off of all technology because Mm -hmm. it's addicting for Mm -hmm. everybody, but especially if you're limited verbally, it Mm -hmm. just becomes kind of your thing. So it's a stressful thing, Mm -hmm. 23 years into marriage where we're still kind of like, we're pulling the car over like three times (laughs) and working this out. I mean, so this is with our whole family, but you know, one of the challenges I was reminded of this, you know, recently with another couple I was talking with that uh, parents that have children, with special needs, the divorce rates mm-hmm. really high. Um, yeah. There's like 
in marriage, when you start adding stressors in, you know, you could almost go, hey, without all this stress, we were great. But right. once mm-hmm. the stress gets involved, the yeah. way we react to each other, the yeah. way mm-hmm. we handle things differently, have different perspectives on what to do, yeah. starts to create even more conflict. So I would say for, you know, that's something now over these last 20 years, we just have to always keep working through is knowing we've got a bunch of extra stress. I mean, even the... The decision to adopt was where our marriage counselor said, now it's an 11-pound cheeseburger. Yeah. You're like, okay. are you sure? <laughs> Maybe 12. And we're are like, you sure you want to do it? And we're like, we're already committed. hours of marriage counseling, and we're like, I mean, we've already said we're doing it, we're, so we're, we're doing in. it. So we have to eliminate. So, so for Rebecca and I, part of the discussion around mm-hmm. ambition, around family, is actually eliminating a lot of the stressors and eliminating things that we don't need. So she's trying to talk me right now into getting rid of the eight chickens that we've had for three years we that I, Franklin on land. I take care of, but it's like one extra stressor in our life, right? That I've got to take care of the chickens or, um, the kids aren't doing it. And so we really are having those conversations. Well, maybe it's worth not having chickens because that would, that would eliminate like 30 minutes every couple days and, and every that. minute matters in our life right now. Yeah. Right. Eight chickens might add up to about 11 pounds of meat. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's <if> we, true. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken burger. I <laughs> uh, didn't like that. So to, to be fully honest with you, last June, uh, we were doing, we were going through pregnancy. Sean was 22 weeks pregnant and we did like the checkup mm-hmm. and they, did the diagnosis, um, the genetic, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Sean was a high risk pregnancy. There's a couple indicators that we might have a down syndrome baby. And when we didn't, and we found out that, I don't know what the right, typical, I, I, that it was yeah, a typical I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know how to talk about it, yeah. but there was a, a fair degree of backlash because we did, we posted a video of, I guess, you know, we were hugging and I don't want to say celebrating, but that was kind of mm-hmm. what the video looked like. I don't, know how to properly view that yeah i don't know how to properly talk about it um well, obviously, two, can i weigh in on that yeah, please. i mean i love that you're sharing that and thank you mm-hmm. you know 91 percent of children when the mom or dad find out in utero that their child might have down syndrome like you guys did did terminate that pregnancy mm. nine out of ten so when you find when you see a little child with down syndrome first recognize this is like a survivor like one out of ten of these little kids make it into the world you know so just the fact that which is why the testing is earlier and earlier you can do a nuchal fold test now at seven to eleven weeks so you can know then if your your child has a genetic abnormality and terminate without any kind of anything Mm. like no you won't feel anything so i I just love that you guys knew that was a risk and you're like okay, we're moving forward. Like this is the child we are about to have. Yeah. I met a guy last week named Matt, 20 years old college student who said to me, I was diagnosed with Down syndrome. Um, I was that child no like way. that, that Jeez. could have been aborted. Mm-hmm. We um, had a test and it was negative. So we were a false negative. Yeah. And some people are false positives. Like it's just so crazy that how much testing happens now because it heightens so much. And mm-hmm. in the end it doesn't, you have to go through a lot of like trauma during pregnancy oh to my, even process it that. It does. That's exactly what the result is where yeah. it's like. That's how we were so shocked that day because we had yeah. had that done early in the pregnancy and nobody, nobody picked it up. Nothing. Well, and oh, even going back to when we got tested, we, we got tested because we had an abnormality show up on an ultrasound where I only had like a two vessel cord. Mm. So it made, 
there was basically, they had to do a test to see if the baby was, you know, if they needed help, if Drew needed help. And then it was through that that they said we had the diagnosis. And I remember talking to my mom and my mom, just without even blinking, she said, don't get the test done. Mm. She said, there's no reason to know. Mm-hmm. She said, this is your baby. It's, it's the baby God has given you. There's no, yeah. there's no need for the knowledge now because he'll equip you with everything that you need when your true. baby comes. Yeah. Smart mom. And <laughs> I remember even when we got the test results, she was like, don't read them. There's no yeah. need. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. it just gives me goosebumps to hear that statistic, which is awesome. crazy. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm that's... glad I didn't know personally mm-hmm. um, until I already knew him. Because at that point, like that was secondary. The diagnosis is always secondary to the fact that he's here. He's mm-hmm. here. He's alive. We're fighting for his life. Like we, he was in the NICU for the first week before he could even, he had to be five pounds before he could come home. So we were just like, we just want him to be alive. We want, that's all we care about one day at a time. He didn't nurse for nine weeks. Literally, I would like pump and then I know it's too much information, but you know, for, for, mm-hmm. because the tongue is the only muscle you can see. And if you have low tone, you can't latch on. So typically you can't always nurse. And he had very low tone. And then one day he just latched on mm-hmm. at nine weeks when I was basically out of all Which milk. I was like, kudos to Rebecca. Yeah. She stuck with it <laughs> and for then nine he weeks. The That's hard to do. the fattest Down syndrome kid. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like. Uh, now he's super buff. Yeah, he's 20. so buff. But but the point, Anyways. I mean, I think for, you should, I mean, I understand why parents would be like, we thought we had this diagnosis and we didn't. Right. So mm-hmm. there's a sense of relief. Yeah, like that's going to be sure. a different life. There's mm-hmm. going to be new challenges. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. Although no. I could imagine people shaming you for that or something. But I, but I think what we found, I mean, Kate has added so much to our life, so much so yeah. we decided let's go adopt mm-hmm. yeah. another child with Down syndrome because her name's choose. Joy. Yeah. And it's she's just beautiful. I mean, she she had so much. And I know people hear that that don't have this experience mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, yeah. Well, you I'm get, just telling you, you it, it's it. added so much to our life. Mm-hmm. The stress of last night's drive is mm-hmm. one part of that equation. The other equation is children who just look at you with such unconditional love and smile, cuddle, wake, smile, wake smile. up with a smile on their All face. The Everything relationships is the most important thing in their life. Mm-hmm. Not any of this other stuff, mm-hmm. ambition, anything else we're talking about could mm-hmm. care less. Well, and yeah. I just want to like, when we're talking children and the stress that that affects, how that affects parenting in this day and age, no matter typical abilities mm-hmm. or unique abilities, um, learning abilities, most of our kids in this generation have some sort of a unique need because of mm-hmm anxiety, depression, um, you know, ADHD, technology, Mm -hmm. um, addiction. I almost feel like (laughs) it's like a neutral playing field. Like there are a lot of parents navigating and we have navigated things with our, our typical children that we never have to think twice about Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. Kate and Joy because they don't, they cognitively aren't even worried about, you know, Mm -hmm. like friends who are having suicidal thoughts or, you know, addictions to whatever it is. So in the end, I mean, raising other humans that you're responsible for, regardless of their ability, is going to be a level of stress. And so part of it is just as parents going into it, going, whatever our kids, you know, struggle with throughout the years, we need to know that we're going to be unified and how we are on their mm-hmm. team, how we navigate certain things. Um, and each season will present itself. And I feel like we have like a state of the union 
conversation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably quarterly. Mm -hmm. We can't even go annually. It's like, okay, right now, this is what I'm seeing with this child or this child or that child. Okay. Let's like divide and conquer. How do we, how do we be a team and how to best serve them? Yeah. We only have one child and we do state of the union every month. <laughs> yeah. so we do monthly checkups. Yeah, state awesome. of the union. Yeah. I do last question about like with not Cade, but the pregnancy and delivery. We've had other conversations with couples where you had a traumatic delivery. You had yeah. a traumatic experience in the hospital that affects you so much, Gabe mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you. How did that affect going in for a second child mm. and yeah. even the conversation or the trauma that you had from Cade mm-hmm. and not his, not his special needs, just the delivery yeah. Yeah. of yeah. how did the bond form differently? Mm-hmm. How did that affect your relationship? Well, there's several types of down syndrome. There was, but the two most popular are non-disjunction trisomy 21 and translocation trisomy 21. So the one we had which we got tested was like the, our chances of our second child was one in a hundred mm-hmm. um, versus one in 800, which is yeah, the typical. typical or if you're over 40, I think it's like 45, it's like one in 40. So mm-hmm. like the older you get, those chances get a lot higher. So we just were like, we want to have more children. And if, you know, if we have two down syndrome little boy, we did find out he was a boy as well. We're like, they're just going to be buds. I mean, I'll probably be pushing them both in a stroller to like three, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully they'll go to the bathroom. You know, like it was funny because either way we knew that we wanted Kate to have siblings. And if they did not have a down syndrome diagnosis, they would help push him. Mm-hmm. And if they did, they would just, you know, just be more fun. So more, just more joy in the home. But I do think the trauma from that delivery day mm-hmm. though affected me a decade later when we moved to New York city and, um, within about four months I had my first panic attack and it mm-hmm. was literally, um, it started on a flight, but then it was planes, trains, elevators, subways, crowds. So that's kind of what started my writing mm-hmm. career around mental health. And what I would get often was rooted in claustrophobia, feeling of being trapped. And I remember feeling that on the table, but then also like a smothering. So mm-hmm. a lot of people who have anxiety attacks. It's like a shallow breathing. Like you can't get a deep breath. It's like, <gasps> And I would, I feel like I'd be walking around the streets of the city and I'd be at the playground. I'm like, I just can't get, and Gabe's like, you're doing that breathing thing again. And it literally was how it was on the table that day Mm -hmm. where I was like, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. I think I'm dying. Mm -hmm. And the doctor says, if you stop breathing, we can breathe for you. So it almost took New York, this pressure cooker of 8 million people in the span of 11 miles to kind of push that to the surface. I didn't really have that, you know, the whole time we were in Atlanta when the kids were young. Mm -hmm. And so I had to deal with that a decade later and resolve it. And, you know, that I'm not in that season at all. That only lasted about a year. But in general, it did. I think people don't always get the counseling or understand medically how that can Mm -hmm. impact trauma in mentally down Mm -hmm. the road. It's like the body keeps the score. Yes. As everyone has read. Such a good book on really going back into past traumas and Mm -hmm. how much they're affecting us. I know for me being in that experience with Rebecca where there was a moment of, of concern for her mm-hmm. life in the middle of a pregnancy at a young age is a very hard thing to, to walk through and experience. And there's just a lot of gratefulness when you realize she's going to be okay. And, but it did take a lot of courage in the second round because we knew that was a really horrible experience, but we got to go back and go through this. So her courage to walk through that and 
have another epidural and like I think mm-hmm. we were at a movie theater or something when I started crying out it was probably some emotion you know emotional <laughs> movie but I was like we have to do this we have to try again it's time <laughs> you know like yeah. I don't know you just sometimes you know when you know it's time to do something like I think you can hold those two tensions bravery and fear at the same time mm-hmm. um as long as bravery is a little bit more than mm-hmm. the fear <laughs> and um that really is courage because you know there's a cost to it but that's why it's courage um and I I just think if it's it's like for us adoption was like sand in the shoe you couldn't shake it and I think if you want to have a second baby and you just can't shake it Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to step into it Mm -hmm. like you don't need to shrink back from it um and I do believe that God gives you the strength to endure Mm -hmm. um that kind of risk so well you've shared so much of your journey in your book rhythms of renewal which has been sitting here with us you've recently come out with a journal about that you host a podcast called rhythms of life Mm -hmm. um so we will link all that down below but it's really good stuff. And I would love to highlight Q as well. Q ideas. I know you yeah. guys are hosting actually in the second week of November, yeah. like a round table, uh, post presidency. I would love yeah. to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. We, we try to host events that get leaders together to think about the future and to not do that alone or in isolation, but, but with other leaders who are trying to navigate organizations, churches, different careers that they're, they're leading. And so we're doing an event called Q and a, and the whole point is to talk about, eight big topics that we think are going to be important for Christian leaders who are trying to navigate the year ahead. And we're doing it a few days after the election. Um, It'll be a virtual event as well. So anybody can listen in on this conversation, but we're talking about some of those things like mental health and suicide, which Mm -hmm. we've seen the increase in that during 2020. How do people of faith and faith leaders really navigate that in their own communities? We've seen it even amongst, you know, pastors and, and church leaders, but we're also talking about things like censorship, you know, and, and conspiracies, you know, which seems to be a conversation happening all over the place. So how do people of faith navigate a world where finding what is really true is not always that easy anymore? Um, what is the truth on this matter? So we're, we're talking about, the, you know, racism and justice. So a lot of the difficult conversations, people of faith, sometimes maybe you're having one-on-one. There's the, the, the Q ideas idea has been, let's bring people of faith together to really deal with the complex issues of our society because we think our faith has something to offer to the conversation but there's not always space to do that so yeah it's it's called q a it's happening november 11th and 12th wow is and q is all about kind of ideas that change culture yeah what what was the inspo to start that well it was really for me it was understanding that as a person of faith our faith should really impact the world around us our neighborhood our cities our communities where we work the cultural space we've been called into versus just being about how do we escape this world and get to heaven, you know, which a lot of people have thought about Christianity. I think in the last century, a lot more about escaping this world than like, how do we make this world better? So we created this Q idea space to say, Hey, we're going to have conversations about how our faith impacts every single societal issue going on in this world. Um, believing that one day we'll, we'll be together in heaven, but we got a lot of work to do here. And so we try to invite experts and thought leaders and, pragmatic people who are trying to work through very different issues and educate Christian leaders on that so they can go better their own communities, their organizations, their churches. Wow. So last question. I didn't even realize it has already been 45 minutes. I could ask you a million questions. The one question we ask every single couple is whether it's something you've been taught, told, or something you came up with, what's the one piece of advice you would give couples today? So I would say make sure you've planned in your your annual calendar, a getaway for just you and your spouse without kids. 
minimum one time a year. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be expensive. This isn't just for people who Mm -hmm. have a means to do it. it. It can be a camping trip. It can be, you know, just a couple days, one night somewhere, but prioritize time away where it's just the two of you to reset, to mm-hmm. reset vision, to have a chance to dream again, to remind each other of mm-hmm. outside of all that stress of life and work of children, of, of why you love one another and what you see in each other. I'd say we made that commitment early on. We would hire babysitters we barely knew to watch our kids so we could have a getaway. It's not exactly true. We I mean, them, we knew them a little yeah. bit, but but we were <laughs> willing. Highly recommended. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were willing to do that. And, uh, and I found a lot of the other couples weren't. They were mm-hmm. afraid to leave their children with somebody. And, and I get the wisdom and all that. But there's also wisdom in making sure you're prioritizing your marriage mm-hmm. in the midst of the stress. Yeah. And I think that foundation has been really helpful for us. I would say to the person who feels like they kind of want to bail, you know, um, um, just remember that your spouse is not the enemy at all. It's easy to kind of put all the problems and the stress on the other person. Like if you didn't do this or you always do this or you never do this. Um, but the truth is, you know, I really do believe that, that humanity flourishes when family flourishes. And so the breakdown of that is always going to be, there's always going to be attack on it. There's always going to be, um, divisiveness that people tend to just walk separate ways. And then that affects, you know, generations upon generations. And so partly I just have to come back to like, if there's a narrative in my brain that like Gabe's always late or he says he'll do this and then he doesn't do this. And I build on that and I let it grow and I nurse it. Um, then all of a sudden I'm just, I'm kind of coming aggressively towards him instead of going like, actually who you really are, the person I fell in love with is very thoughtful, sensitive, nurturing, all those things. Stylish. Yes. You like, you like high tops. Um, (laughs) but, but over the years through just fatigue and a lot of Mm -hmm. stress, I then somehow changed that narrative. So I would just say, come back to the drawing board of like, why did you fall in love with this person in the first place? Ask each other that question. And then, um, maybe just share with one another those beliefs that you've Mm -hmm. kind of just made agreement with. Like, I hate to tell you this, but like, I think for us in 19 years, I probably said some things that I should have said in year one, two, and three, Mm -hmm. and I just let them grow. And then when I did, I was like, I actually resent this. And Mm -hmm. then I realized, oh, wow, because I have kind of bought this narrative and this isn't about who you are. It's like, I've let something grow. And so part of is just confronting that coming back to center and doing that more regularly than not. Mm. Ben told me that you guys are an honest, deep well of wisdom and fun. And it's, it's been cool to sit here and there's been sentences that you have said like briefly that when I actually think about what does that mean? If I practice that, like in Sean Mm -hmm. and I's marriage, like, Oh, what if I didn't, what if I, gave Sean the benefit of the doubt or however you phrase that, uh, as opposed to loading all this frustration. It's like, Oh my gosh, that's actually, are you loading frustration right now? We should talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, there's like so much depth to that, yeah. that it's uh, powerful stuff. So anyway, I, I really, really enjoyed today's conversation. It was a pretty good range of topics. I yeah, feel like, I know. um, I appreciate you guys making the drive up. Yeah. And if you guys listening, want to learn more about Gabe and Rebecca, and what they're up to. Uh, we'll link all their information in the show notes down below. But it was a pleasure. I think I think we could go yeah. on for a long oh, yeah. time. I know. We'll have to have a round it. two. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Thanks guys. Thanks for having yeah. us. Thank you, guys. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there. We don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. 
But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.